Chimpanzees are humankind's closest living relatives. But what do their family interactions reveal about our own parenting practices? Our guest today is Assistant Professor of Anthropology in our Center for the Advanced Study of Human Paleobiology, Carson Murray, who has traveled to the jungles of Tanzania to observe mother-offspring relationships among chimps in the wild. What she has found is shedding new light on the impact of maternal mood and behavior on gender roles, socialization skills, and success in adulthood. Carson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. One of my favorite parts of my job is to talk about my research and share it with people. Well, based on that, you've done so much research on chimpanzees. What portrait do you think uh, we have now obtained about chimpanzees and their families and their communities in the wild? Yeah. Um, chimpanzees are, well, it's taken many, many years for us to understand sort of what chimpanzee social structure is like because they're very long-lived species. Um, but they have some very striking similarities to humans. I mean, as you mentioned, it's one of our closest living relatives genetically, but also behaviorally. Um, so, for example, chimpanzees live in a fission-fusion social organization. And what I mean by that is exactly what it sounds like. Subgroups fizz and fuse and join and uh, change composition frequently over the course of the day, very much like, you know, me hanging out with you today, and I might not see you for several months, but, you know, we're part of the GW community, if you will. Um, within that, um, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm very interested in mother-infant interactions. And so females have social choices to associate with certain subgroups or not with other subgroups and so forth. And they spend about 40 to 70 percent of their time alone, which is a stark contrast to humans. Um, but again, it provides a lot of opportunity for a female to sort of think about how she wants to expose her offspring, which relationships are important as they, as they mature. What can observing chimps in the wild tell us uh, that observing apes in captivity cannot? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I should actually start answering that by telling you what captive studies can tell us. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to those. Uh, we can observe our study subjects in close proximity and see a lot of nuances of behavior that we might not be able to see in the, in the wild when we're literally scrambling and trying to see our study subjects. I mean, that said, I think the heterogeneity of a wild population is unparalleled. So um, I was just talking about sort of the fission-fusion dynamics. So in a captive situation, I mean, the individuals are together in one group all the time. And so you can imagine if I took you and made you hang out, or you had the opportunity, I should say, to, to hang out with the deans <laughs> um, all day, every day, your behavior would probably be markedly different than it would be if you saw them on an infrequent basis. Um, so I guess to summarize, I think captivity, um, the studies are really interesting because you can see really fine, nuanced behaviors, um, but it's not how they live in the wild. And so if you really want to understand how they respond to natural ecological or environmental heterogeneity and social heterogeneity in terms of the grouping patterns, you really have to go study a wild population. So going back to what you said about mothers, one of the foci of your work has been really looking at the mother-son relationship versus the mother-daughter relationship. Can you talk about this and, and differentiate between them? Yeah. Um, so one of, I guess, taking a little bit of a step back, one of the things that we humans are interested in is sort of gender differentiation and sex roles and things like that. And so a primary focus of research, not only in chimpanzee studies, but also primatology has sort of been whether there's a biological or maybe a cultural basis to, to sex-typical behaviors. Um, and so some of our research previously has demonstrated that young male chimpanzees are um, probably not surprisingly, if you, I don't know if you have any sons. I do. Do you have I daughters? Do. I do have a daughter too. Okay, so it's probably not surprising if I tell you that young chimpanzee males are a lot more active, they interact more, um, they do more rough and tumble play. This is probably very similar to what you experienced raising your children. 
Um, so the question, though, is whether, I mean, in terms of humans, is whether that was encultured by, by you and your family or if that was something your, your son just came out sort of biologically programmed to be more precocious. And so what we found in chimpanzees is that, like humans, the males are, are much more socially interactive and things like that. Um, but recently, what we wanted to see is whether the mom is mediating that. Is she doing something, basically, is she, she just trying to rein in her unwily sons, or is she providing um, sort of oppor social opportunities? Um, and so leveraging the power of the, the Jane Goodall Institute Gombe uh, chimpanzee data set, we, we used over 40 years of data, and we asked the question about whether moms are associating preferentially or associating differently when they have male sons. That is, affording more social opportunities to her sons than she does for her daughters. Um, and what we found is, is indeed she does. When she has a young male infant, even as young as six months of age or three months of age, um, she associates more frequently and with more adult males very early in life. Um, our interpretation, it's anthropomorphic, which means we're thinking of it and how it applies to humans, but our interpretation is that she's sort of greasing the social wheels. Um, presenting him with opportunities, potentially learning from role models to sort of develop, or at least observe, and then potentially develop sex-typical behavior for males. Because ultimately, male chimpanzees are more social, um, they're more aggressive, they compete, and so sort of understanding and learning social skills will be very critical to a male. Whereas I said at the start of our conversation, females are going to spend about 40 to 70 percent of their time alone. So maybe it's not as important for mom um, to be in a, in a group when she has young daughters. And do you think mothers uh, instinctually engage in this type of behavior in order to tra train their, their young? And do the, do the chimps actually retain these, these skills through the arc of their lives? Yeah, those are, those are great questions. In terms of whether she consciously makes that choice, uh, I would say probably not. I, I'm not sure. We don't understand the mechanism. Um, but my personal hypothesis and what I look forward to testing in the future is whether it's mediated potentially by androgens or hormones. Um, mothers may have more circulating testosterone when they have a male fetus, and that may change her, her social behavior. Um, and so the mechanism is, is, is unclear, um, but at the end of the day, what we do know is that males, regardless of mechanism, do have higher social exposure. Um, and so an interesting question going forward is what happens you know, among males for one who has relatively more social exposure versus one who's relatively isolated. And some preliminary results from members of our group demonstrate that males uh, who have more social mothers are more likely to be alpha, that is the big boss. Um, and that comes with lots of reproductive benefits. So Carson, this is incredible, fascinating work. And we have to ask, what is the impact for human families? What are you learning mm -hmm. that tells us about our own species? Yeah. Um, I think that's a question, of course, being an anthropology, that's something we have to ask ourselves. And my general answer, um, kind of those results aside, my general answer is that this is the best model we have for who we used to be or where we came from. Um, so I guess it should be noted that chimpanzees and humans diverged. They had a least common ancestor, actually, uh, six million years ago. So there's been about 12 million years of evolution in between. Uh, but what it does tell us is this is the sort of starting point that got us to where we are. So I think we can assume that our least common ancestor was similar to chimpanzees and probably single motherhood was common. Um, and then we start building the layers of like human technology and culture and advances that maybe get us to modern human families. And so I guess at the end of the day, I would say uh, this is a really good representation, in my opinion, of where we started six million years ago. And then the interesting thing is to work with my colleagues at the Center for Hominid Paleobiology and sort of put those other layers on top of it and figure out how we came to be who we are, 
how we develop the family structures we have today, and then ultimately how that matters and shapes our children. Carson, thank you so much for sharing this incredible research. It's obvious that we've got so much to learn from the world of chimpanzees uh, for about our own society and development, and we're so happy that you're at the forefront of this field, uh, really exploring this with us. Thank you. 